Hey guys, welcome to a bonus episode of Making It to Market, the podcast where we talk about everything related to taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I am Dahlia. Good morning. Well, we're back again with Jody Shalasi. He is the attorney that you need to know. He is the expert on cannabis and CBD regulation and all things supplements and food and drinks and topicals. Anyway, so you've got to check out episodes 23, 24, and 25 because Jody shares his insights on all these things. And man, have I learned a lot. I decided to pull this out as its own separate bonus episode because, well, it's just important and necessary that we have this discussion because it's all things intellectual property and patentability and, of course, reverse engineering and what happens if somebody steals your formulation. Oh, my God. Let's get into it. Hey, Jody, thanks so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. You mentioned protecting the brand. Does that mean creating copyrights and trademarks and that sort of thing? It's certainly part of it. Uh, you know, the brand, you know, the brand, you know, got a name, product name, company name, logo, all those things will be trademarks, right? Um you know, what else what else goes into protecting the brand though is also not just it's the it's the secret sauce. You know, what have I got in my formulation that I don't want anybody else to know? Mm-hmm. You know, when I, I've got, I've obviously got to disclose that secret sauce to the, to the contract manufacturer because they got to make the product. Well, let's make sure we've got some non-disclosure agreements and things of that nature in place so that, you know, whatever's, whatever I show them, they're not going to take it and run with it and do something else. So they're reverse engineered or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, those are things that goes toward protecting the brand. You know, also if we got something that's really, really, really unique, maybe we have a, maybe we have something that's patentable. Maybe we have a, uh-huh. a, a formula that that needs to have that extra layer of, of protection on it. You know, those are all things that are going to go into it, um, and, and all those are things I, I certainly take into consideration when I'm when I'm talking with a client. Oh, that's really great. Yeah, there's a lot of factors. I know, like for my brands, I've gotten the copyright of all the brands, like the sub brands. I've gotten. Oh, the, the, the trademarks, the formulation side, um, we've got all the NDAs in place, mutual NDAs. I'm not going to go reverse engineer somebody else's product either. If somebody comes right, to me, I just, right. I just won't do it. Um, as far as patentability of formulas, I can see how that would be easy to do if you have synthetic ingredients. But I find it really challenging when you're dealing with 100% natural ingredients. What do you? What's your opinion on that? Well, it depends. You know, patentability by by its very nature is it's got to be something extremely unique. Okay, it has to be. That's part of the definition of something that's patentable. It has to be unique. Okay, it has to be new. It has to be something different. Okay, we have to. We can't just take whatever's and just redo what's already been done. Right. So I think you're right. And when you're talking about something that's naturally occurring, it's hard to meet those definitions. Now that's not to say it's impossible because there's plenty of patents on the marketplace today that are, that are, that are, uh, or something that originated from a natural occurrence. I often tell people, and this is where it's really interesting. You, you with patent patents or patents are concerned. Um, You'll often see somebody will have something on there on their label that's say patent pending, right? <laughs> right. That that's a little bit of, a little bit of a, a trickeration on 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 the part of the on, on part of the manufacturer <laughs> right. because what that language means is there's actually two ways to patent. There's actually two types of patents. There's what's called a um, a a, a um, um, 
there's patents that are essentially that are that are that have it that have gone through the process of being reviewed by the by the federal the United States Patent and Trademark Office, and then there's ones that have not gone through that process, mm-hmm. but somebody's going to claim I have rights to it. You know that it, it's that that type of stuff like that will it, people will put like patent pending on there. Um, it's called a pro, not not it's called a provisional patent. Is what that is. So can I put that? Can I put that on my product even though I haven't started the process of? Yes, that's that's what a provisional patent does. So huh. a provisional patent, all it does, it, you know, I can go to the United States Patent and Trademark Office and I can, there's a form on the Patent and Trademark Office for provisional patents where literally you put your name on it, put whatever it is, and they give you a number, okay? Well, what the purpose of a provisional patent really is designed to do is it's designed to, you know, plant your flag to give your spot in line, okay? Um, you know, the gold standard of a patent is what's called a non-provisional patent. I mean, it has no stipulations, no conditions attached to it whatsoever. Hmm. The United States is within the past, you know, five to 10 years used to be, used to be the United States was what they call a first to invent country. I mean, first one to invent the product owned the first one to invent the, the invention was owned the rights to it. Pretty much the rest of the world was always first to file. Whoever ran to the, ran to the office, filed something first one. Well, about five to ten years ago, I forget the exact date. If the United States changed to a first to file basis, okay. Oh, that's interesting. And when they did, and when they did, huh. patent, those those provisional patent applications became really, really important because huh. you know it doesn't cost pretty much anything to do a provisional patent. Okay. Non-provisional, it's going to be expensive, right? But if you have that provisional patent, they actually give you another. It actually starts your my reservation date for when I filed, when you filed that provisional date. That's interesting. So, so they give you a, like an, basically give you an extension of time in order to file that non-provisional application. So you'll see a little, as a little marketing tool, you'll often see um, somebody with a product and they'll put patent pending, knowing that they've done a provisional patent to preserve the rights to file a non-provisional patent for whoever wants to come buy the product from them. Interesting. You know, so there's it, it 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 doesn't the the language when you hear that you say oh patent pending oh they must be they've got something really unique here and government's supposed to look at it don't don't be don't be fooled that's don't not really fooled. what's occurred <laughs> yeah that's not really what has occurred there unless unless something is a non provisional patent that's gone through the process of review and and all that stuff it it, it really isn't a um a whole lot of value okay um, the the non provisional patent process though back to your original question about you know you know it's an expensive process. It takes a lot of long time to do it. Uh, it's got to be something really unique and novel and new in order to get to that point. Um, just because, just because, you know, I hear all the time people say, well, no one's ever done this before. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's new and not out and, and novel. Right. It just may, it just may mean that people have figured out that, you know, it's not new or, or there's no practical way to put it together. You know, so it does that just because no one's ever done it before. doesn't mean I've got something really unique and different. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have people coming to me with like, I want a staff to be with this. And I'm like, I make this all the time every day and they want to create a patent on it. I'm like, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that means yes. i beat you to it because i've been doing this for a long time yes but. yes yes no, you, i have the same thing you know people come and say oh this is just so so much different uh, no it's not really okay yeah but, yeah but you know that that process of and, and i'll say it, it really happens in getting off topic a little bit but in the drug world um you know patents really become a quite really important you know for Absolutely. on the drug world side yeah. but oftentimes drug world software world all that stuff 
by the time you get to the process, whatever you've done is pretty much become obsolete because it's just been taking so long. Right. And you got to remember, and and, I, and 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 maybe going off topic a little bit, it's but okay. but you got to remember with a patent, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding in the world of what a patent is intended to do. You know, a patent is not designed to make sure that you are the only person in the world that can do this. That's not what a patent is designed to do. A patent is designed to do to, to, to shield off these particular areas so that others could look at it and say, hey, how can I do this and do it better? Yeah. That's what you're trying to do. So that's what, it, what creates that new level of patent is, is taking a look at whatever's out there, seeing what's been done and trying to figure out another better way to do it. It's to encourage invention. It's try to make people be more, more thinking and more knowledgeable and try to find a way to do things better in a, in a better way. Um, and, and, and so people say, well, I got the patent on it. That means no one else can do it. Well, no, because we're going to want people to go look at what you've done. Right. Because you are we're putting it want, out there when you put a patent, you're putting it that's out right. there. It's public record. We right. want people to see that. We want people to see what you've mm -hmm. done and do it better. That's mm -hmm. what we need. That's what encourages invention and encourages technology to grow. Yeah. So, you know, don't, don't think because, well, I've got the patent on this, no one else can do it. And that means I, I own all the world. Nah. <laughs> this is really good discussion. I, I appreciate this the dialogue. Yeah. Let's talk about reverse engineering before we wrap up, oh, yeah. because this is an important issue. So yeah. I'll give you an example. I, I make my own products. I formulate and manufacture. And then all of a sudden my customers just drop off. I'm like, what are you doing? Did you go take the product and reverse engineer it? Or people will come to me and say, hey, can you reverse engineer this? I'm like, no, but I can reformulate it and make it better. What is, what do I do or what does somebody do in the case of, oh my goodness, I think someone's taking my intellectual property and reverse engineering my product. Okay. So if, if you have the, reverse engineering is a, is a, it can be a lot more frequent than, than, than we want to really want to talk about. And it's, and frankly, it's, 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 it's an ugly thing. Okay. In my view, um, you're, you're trying to take somebody else's work, sweat, and tears and, and, and the goodwill that they built into it and, and piggyback off of what they done and make profit off of something that they did. And you, they did the heavy lifting on. Um, and, and if you, if you think that's occurring, um, obviously there's litigation. I mean, obviously you can go to litigation and there's certain things we we have, we have a lot of tools in the, that we have ability to go sue somebody for, you know, for reverse engineering. And there's plenty of damages that'll be available. That, that and and there's also injunctive relief. You know, courts can can put put orders in place that stops that person from doing that. It's costly. It's timely. Um, and, and litigation by its very nature is not something anybody wants to get involved with if they don't have to. Mm. So to try to avoid that, what you're really trying to do is what we talked about earlier. Let's 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 just make sure we get. You know, NDAs aren't obviously the aren't the solution to everything, but it's a good it's a good starting point. It's a good something to have something in writing saying, "Hey, you understand you're not allowed to do these things." That way, if it ever does occur, now you've got some knowledge. You have the the issues of you know intellectual property things you can sue on, but you also got a contract now. Mm -hmm. Now we've got a contract. We can sue you for breaching the contract because you knew you couldn't do this and you did it anyway. Uh, and that's a whole lot easier case to sue somebody for breach of contract as opposed to suing them for patent infringement or intellectual property for infringement upon your intellectual property because now we don't have to worry about you know the science and all that other stuff. Obviously, the you know it, 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 it's just another way of getting to where you need to go, right? Um, so those are all things you got to kind of on the front end trying to make sure that whatever you're showing somebody, um, and obviously, I mean, you know this. 
it's part of it is really you doing your due diligence on who you're dealing with in the front end. You know, you know, somebody's going to, if somebody's going to go the route of doing things like that, they've probably given you signs all along that mm. they're not a trustworthy person. Oh my goodness. And so, so you, if you decide to do business with somebody like that, that's got, got the warning signs there, then, oh, you know, it's tough. You can't, Cause I've done, we've, we've gotten, we've had some customers come to us and say, okay, Dolly, we want you to recreate these four products. Here's my formula. And I'll say, I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is a very highly technical formula. How did you come up with this formula? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Like, and then and I said, are you sure this is your formula? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, deep, deep diving and deep research. I find it's not, I find it somebody yep. else's. Yep. Yep. So, okay. So I know in the copyright laws, you can change something up to 30% and it no longer be considered copyrighted. So if I take an image or a graphic, for example, and keep most of it and I change it 30%, then those no longer somebody else's copyright. It's now mine. Does that, does that kind of apply here and somebody doing reverse engineering if I change uh, a formula? Well, well, I mean, I think those are, those are very generic rules that, that generally apply. Uh, I, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a, 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 a bright line number where you can say, this is mine. This is no longer what I, what I'm doing. Huh. I don't think it's that clear. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into that, that, that analysis to determine how close something is to another thing. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it is, you know, when you, if we get into something that's that highly technical, and a lot of times it becomes the battle of the experts. You know, we're we're getting some expert opinion that's going to say this is the reason why it's close as opposed to that. Um, and, and and I don't think it's something you can just generally say. You know, well, well, I only did, I only did, a, I only took this piece of it, so therefore I'm okay. It still can be a a, a potential issue of reverse engineering or something like that, even on the mo most smallest minute piece of of information if that particular piece of information is the key to the whole thing. You know? So, it's, so if I'm questioning, okay, I create a product for somebody and I have a specific formula, like I actually have a real formula with percentages and everything broken down. And I say, Hey, Jody, I think this company over here, I used to make this product for them and they haven't purchased from me in a long, long time, but I still see that they're selling a product when you're using the same ingredients. I, I come to you and I say, this is my formula. Jody, can you help me? Are you able to go and see the formula that, that they're using to create that product that they're making? Uh, well, no, they're probably not going to share it with you. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, how does I mean, that they're, work? They're, well, there's 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 a few ways to do it. Okay, um, you know, if you get into litigation and that's the that's the key piece of evidence, then then eventually they're going to have to produce that information as part of the litigation. They'll okay. probably do it under what's called a protective order, which says, hey, we're going to share all this information in the course of this litigation for purposes of, of getting to the bottom line, but everybody understands you can't do anything with it except through this course of this litigation mm -hmm. and becomes non-public information. Mm -hmm. So that's if you're in litigation. If you're not in litigation, you know, the way you could do it, you know, is, is you know, there there's a way <laughs> – you can go buy the product yourself. Okay, go oh, buy the product yourself that's smart and figure out. Yeah, so <laughs> that 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 that's a way to kind of determine what's in there. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, as opposed to, you know, it, there's ways to do it. Um, some more more difficult than others. Um, Sounds but, like you're the person I need to call. Absolutely, absolutely. Because <laughs> you know, this is like <laughs> a big concern for me personally. 
And uh, I need to hire somebody just to go back and look at historical customers to see what they're selling right now. Cause yeah. it's a, it's a thing. I might, <laughs> I might make a lot more money going after these people and I guess selling my product. <laughs> anyway, I think it's good to know who to go to if there's uh, a concern about your formula being, you know, used by somebody else, recreated, copied, whatever. I mean, this is a concern whether you're making topicals, ingestibles, supplements, whatever. That's like, right. This is a big right. problem. And, you know, who do you go to? Well, it looks like Jody might be the guy to go to for that. I would agree with that. <laughs> to learn more about Jody, check him out on his website, themillennialawyer.com, or you can find him on LinkedIn and Twitter. And, of course, you can find some more information in the show notes. 